This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Thank you for uh, for tuning in to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. By the way, just another absolute shit way to start this podcast. I can't figure out if planning or spontaneity is better. I'm not good at either. I'm bad at starting a podcast. And here we are. I'm starting even worse. This is maybe the worst one yet. I'm Casey McLean. Uh, if you like this podcast, please tell a friend, a loved one, or a coworker. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the podcast. If they have a rating or review system, uh, make sure you subscribe and then rate us. Give us five stars, please, please. <laughs> uh, also I have a Patreon for this podcast. I'm going to start putting some kind of different content up there. Um, so go check out patreon.com slash the Casey McLean. Follow me everywhere at the Casey McLean. All right. Today's guest is Brent Pella. Brent Pella is a stand-up comedian, a writer. And, uh, I, I worked with Brent as a, as a stand-up a couple of years ago and I, I thought he was funny, but since quarantine started, holy moly has Brent, has Brent just been killing it. One of the few guys, and I'm not including myself in this at all, because I find myself completely stagnant in in quarantine, but Brent is like making a career in quarantine. Some just hilarious sketches. He's oh man, he he, he he's worked with a couple other like um very prominent YouTube celebrities, but like the quality of sketch from sketch to sketch, not only writing, but the quality of the audio and the video, it's all professional quality. It is all broadcast quality. His recent one that I thought that, uh, that I sent him a, a positive message on was he did a, a sketch where he and another comedian named JP Sears played, uh, dead voters, which is, if you're sensitive to that, like we talk about it on the podcast, by the way, but like have a fucking sense of humor, please. And go watch this shit because, oh man, it's, it was so funny. And, uh, yeah, he's got, he, he does, he's got some, some, uh, some <laughs> sketches where he plays both Joe Rogan and Joe Biden. And, uh, it's, it's if the sketch premise is like, if, Joe Biden and Donald Trump actually did have a debate on Joe Rogan's podcast. It includes uh Seattle comic Austin Nasso, who does, I would argue, the best Trump impression around, by the way. Maybe I'll try to get Austin on, because I don't know Austin at all. We follow each other on Twitter, and I know that he's been around um Seattle when I've been doing comedy, but I don't think I've ever crossed paths with him uh, until he moved. I think he lives in L.A. now, so... Uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast. You can find Brent's work on uh, basically any platform, any social media platform. He's at Brent Pella, B-R-E-N-T-P-E-L-L-A. Um, after the interview, I have a lot of sports to talk, by the way. It's been a silly and stupid sports week. Even Brent and I talked a little bit about sports because he has an interesting sports background. But there, 
was some dumb shit that happened this week. So please, I hope you uh, enjoy Brent Pella, and then I will talk to you after the interview. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand updates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do you have like a, do you have a, it's, it sounds like over there you have like um one of those things you pull the cord on. Uh, oh, does it sound weird? No, I, I heard, I heard your, I heard you on your own computer, I think, playing into your mic. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Sorry. I just paused it. <laughs> Is, are you still, are you, are you hearing any, anything else? Is there anything else? Oh, you're good. You're good. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, thank you for doing the podcast. I'm just starting by the way. Um, cool. So if you had a got a string of racial slurs i'm gonna leave them in is the point <laughs> no i'll save that for the end dude <laughs> uh first off i the zoom background is a, one thing about zoom is it's really allowed us to see inside of people's houses yep. uh my my zoom background is horrific i literally i've been we own a house my wife and i own a house and i'm like the next house we buy, I need a good Zoom background. I need like a flat <laughs> wall, a flat, tall wall that I can put some shit on because I have this vaulted ceiling here. You yeah, can see the garbage can in the background. It's in. Dude, it's like uh, your Zoom background is like a, a window into your soul. It's like whatever's <laughs> behind you. I mean, I got a basketball hoop and a picture of my buddy with um, Ronald Reagan. So you already know that I'm very unstable. And then like yours is like empty. And there's just a garbage can. And yeah, there's so, a, like, there's a picture that's not hung on the wall, which is maybe the most emblematic of my life. Anything that anything that exists in my life. There's a there's a a baby, uh, like a my daughter's um, whatever that shit's called. It's called a pack and play. Yeah, because uh, sometimes my wife, like sometimes we would put her in here while she was. I think she's too big for that thing now. And then there's like a desk. This is actually a desk behind me also that I want to be my writing desk. It's yeah. going to be like away from my computer. Uh, but that's exactly how, what my writing process is right now is just like <laughs> fucking shoved up against another thing in my life. Yeah. Um, so yes. This, and then garbage. That's the, that is the, it's very emblematic. <laughs> the, you said basketball, you said basketball hoop, but that's a basketball shoe. Did I say hoop? I, I think you said shoe. hoop. Yeah. Is yeah. that what's, what's the significance of that shoe? Uh, I have a collection of Kobe Bryant sneakers that right. I've, I've been, um, I used to coach at his basketball camp in the summer. This is, I know this about you. This is my first question actually. Oh, cool. Right on. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I coached at the camp for about six years until it dissolved. I think his final season, um, <clears throat> because he just had too much other, had too many other things going on and they wanted to yeah. revamp it and everything, but they would give us a pair of shoes every year. 
And this mm. is uh, this is one of the shoes, one of the pairs that I got. It's oh, like cool. I forget the I forget what the actual um, design is called, but it's based on like some Eastern art. You can oh, see I it's see. got like cool. It's like it's like art in a shoe. It's really cool. I don't even I don't even play in them because I think they're too pretty. Yeah, that's uh. So my obviously, I mean, R.I.P. Kobe. It feels like mm -hmm. a million years ago that he died uh i can't imagine that's got to be i mean for obviously it's worse for his family but you actually you know like worked for him i imagine it was difficult uh for you yeah um you know i have been very lucky to live up to this point without having without experiencing death really mm -hmm. like of, of somebody that's very close to me yeah um and I was not close to Kobe by any stretch. Like we weren't friends. I didn't text him. You know, I yeah. saw him once, once a year in the summer, but during that week of the camp, everybody there was family. He knew all mm -hmm. of our names. Um, he knew my, he knew my name. He knew the other coaches names. We would chat in between lessons. Um, and then also like a lot, I, I took a lot of inspiration from him and I continue to put it in my life. He's the biggest influence I've had of anybody besides my mom. So sure. I say that to say like, yeah, it, it, it felt like um, a part of like somebody in my life had. Like a left. family. Yeah. As, as weird as that is. Uh, yeah. Obviously it's, it's incredibly different for people that were actually close to him. And, and I know a lot of people and I know that his family is just has a completely different experience, but I'm just great. I, I try to focus on how grateful I am for the experiences that I got from working with him and from being around him so much. So I don't know if you know this, you, you and I worked together with Joe list at Tacoma comedy club. Yeah. Uh, I remember that night. That was fun. Yeah. But so, so what's funny. I, I actually think you follow, I remember when you followed me on Twitter distinctly because uh, it was when the whole stuff with Dina Hashem was going on. Oh yeah. That's when so, she, she made the Venmo joke. Yes. The Venmo yeah. joke about XXX tentacion. If people uh, that are listening don't know, she made a joke that uh, this, this dude who also tragically died, um, his fan base did not find funny, uh, which is a very large understatement. She ended up getting doxxed and had to be in hiding. Yeah. And, and then there, the, the worst part of it all is that there were comics who were coming out like in support of, these people who were going after her for a joke. And so, uh, I mean, I actually had to have like a little bit of, I started to tweet stuff and I really meant it. But what happened was it was like getting people that like people that I respected, like you or like other comics liking it and shit. And I was like, now I, if I keep doing this, I need to make sure that it's for her and not for my own ego. Right. Because I, sure. I always, sus I suspect that of people on, social media a lot it's like is this for you or is this for the cause that you're pretending to care about sure and i definitely cared about that but i remember so but i'm curious because this is that was uh i think late 2019 but time doesn't even matter anymore no um <laughs> there was another joke there was a joke from ari shafir about kobe bryant and i'm curious how you uh squared those two things because i believe if i recall you were also supportive of dina hashem and, I was, and I still am. Um, yeah. The the those two things, um, to me, and uh, this is totally everybody's got their own opinion. Yeah. 
Uh, to me, they're not comparable. Our, Ari Shafir, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't even an attempt at humor. And I know a lot of his stuff is like dark and he goes dark and that's great. Dark stuff is some of the funniest stuff to me. Um, but I remember his just like lacking any creative angle or, or even like any creative effort to even try to put a humorous twist. I, yeah. I remember the, I read a tweet from Sam Morrow, I think it was, or Mark Normand. It was one of those two guys either on the day Kobe died. Oh no, I, it was, it was Hinchcliffe. Tony Hinchcliffe tweeted. Um, so this is the first time that Kobe has passed yeah. or something, something like that. He made a wordplay joke mm-hmm. on the word past. And it made me smile, dude. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it was uh, no way Kobe passed. Yeah. And yeah. people got like so fucking mad. But, you know, that's so totally different than just like the shot. It's like making a dick joke talking about how your dick got shit on when you were coming. You yeah. know, it's that's just shock value stuff that appeals to the lowest common denominator of people and yeah. put, put in no effort because you want people to get riled up because you want attention. And that's what I felt like Ari did. I don't know Ari personally. I have zero experience with anything else he's done, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I can't speak to my opinions of him as a comedian. He's been successful. So he's gotta be funny to a large group of people, which is awesome. The more humor and laughter we can have in this world is great. But if we're talking about this one specific instance, I think he completely missed the ball and deserved all of the negative feedback he got. Dina, her joke was hilarious, dude. Mm-hmm. The Venmo joke was so funny because it was clever and it, it it was a humorous attempt to make light of a tragic situation. Yeah. And it didn't shit on the XX temptation guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I will say the one thing about about Ari's thing is um cuz I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say this is that he was being it's a little bit of a misdirect in that this guy's like universally beloved and he brought up he just was being as inappropriate as possible yeah like it was i agree that it missed uh but i've i have heard people say that it wasn't an attempt at humor and i think you might have even actually said that i don't think that's true but i think it's like he went so harsh that it missed he missed by a lot do you know what I mean? Yeah, it feels like he was shooting a free throw with a blindfold on and with one hand. And like, right. like that's how much he missed. Like, yeah, the attempt was there, but what a terrible attempt. So yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe um, based on what you just said, I will reiterate in a different way. He, maybe he was trying to be humorous, mm-hmm. but what a God awful attempt, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I get it. You know that some people are super dark and I get it. And I can't. And, and, and also dude, I recognize and respect the fact that there's probably a ton of people that thought that that was funny. Yeah. And so he, he did what he does maybe. And that's totally cool. You know, I'm not going to punch him in the face. If I see him, I'm, I'm going to be like, what's up, dude. How are I'm not yeah. going to talk about it, but um, you know, that's just a, an opinion on that one yeah. specific moment. Yeah, that's and that's fine. I don't, I actually think you can. I do think they're different, and I'm uh, in general like I don't like 
ever supporting comedians facing violence for jokes, which I don't think is what you're doing, by the way. But I, yeah. I was just curious. I think you are one of the few people who have like, because a lot of people were mad and that's this is like men can't uh, process their own emotions well. You actually knew Kobe Bryant to some extent, had like a connection to him. Uh, I thought it was very sad. I thought actually the part, um, the part that made me sad and I can confirm that it was before uh that it was i saw the i saw the ari shafir thing before we knew that kobe's daughter had died which is like that's the that's the most tragic thing of all right yeah is is that his his like 12 or 13 year old daughter died Mm -hmm. um so maybe he doesn't do it if that's the case or whatever i did see by the way to, to full circle this one segment of the podcast joe list had a tweet that he deleted that was oh it was uh, so glad I didn't have helicopter parents, which is another great oh, fucking joke. But he was getting just, I mean, everybody that anybody that was trying oh, to make a joke man. about that was facing a mob of mourning and probably like emotionally unavailable men who didn't know how else to. Yeah, it's a, that specific event is very tricky to um, to find a a light angle on it's just hard man you gotta as as comics we all try to shine a light through the darkness and some people choose the darkest moments and some people avoid the darkest moments and to each their own and you know it's uh it's 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 just so hard to find like i could never i would never make I've, i've already cut lines from videos where people like uh i did this video called wedding vows in 2020 where me and my friend nikki howard got dressed up like we're having a wedding and we just read each other wedding vows but based around the madness of 2020 so like you know an example is like um uh babe you've you've supported me so much even when we were quarantined and i was making banana bread and it gave you violent diarrhea for four days straight you still were there like stuff like that right yeah and she suggested a line about Kobe and I like politely shot it down. Cause I can't even, it's just not for me. It's not, it's the, yeah. uh, it, and for some people it is for them and that's all good. But for me, it's different, but it's yeah, all well, good. I respect it. That's, I feel like um, I'm not like a prude and I'm not religious in any way or anything like that, but I don't make, I just won't make like a dirty sex joke about my wife. Like that's just a thing for me on yeah. stage. I'm not, I'm not the joke. If there's a sex joke at all, I have to be the butt of it um <laughs> you know what i mean oh that's a that's yeah totally a, there's, a, there's an entendre there's, there's entendre. it there it is right there dude <laughs> <laughs> uh it just happens to be what we're into it's a modern time um yep. no i like I, yeah I, I understand it but but when i hear like somebody talking in graphic detail about sexual stuff with their wife i'm not like that's you know clutch my own pearls like i think right, that's what you're right saying, right you know. yeah 100 percent. it's just not for me but i can laugh at stuff yeah i think it's funny yeah. So, um, when, when I worked with you, I met you as a stand up. but what I didn't realize, and maybe even back then, I don't know, you've had like a pretty big, uh, you have become like one of, I think the, the people who are really killing it in the pandemic. Oh, uh, thanks man. Yeah. And I mean, you were like, you had, you were making amazing sketches before that. So I don't know a ton about your stand up, but you dude, like, cause I think I liked you or fronted you on Facebook, the Joe list. Uh, day and that was you know whatever like it was it was stand-up comedy these sketches you're making are so fucking funny 
<laughs> Thanks, dude. It's truly like, and I, and I, and I, like, I mean, so I'm, did you, and I, I think you've done, I've, I've, uh, in preparation for this, looked at, you've done like some improv stuff too, right? Or groundlings or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, my beginnings were in stand up and improv. I started both within three weeks of each other. So, oh, wow. um, I started doing open mics uh, at the end of 20. No, at the beginning, I started doing improv at the end of 2013 in November. And I started doing stand up in 2015 in January. No, right? Is that right? 24, whatever. It's been like six years, but I started gotcha. both at, like, at, at, at the same time. Um, but videos I had already been doing. I just wasn't, oh, okay. very, I just wasn't very good. I, I had done like some silly stuff in college, but I didn't have like an angle. I didn't have a, um, a style. Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it, it, back then I was throwing shit at the wall and just trying sure. to be funny and not having any type of structure or writing ability. Sure. But yes, stand up and improv for me, they overlap together in so many ways. So the, uh, cause you, you've also like, um, you've done videos with, oh man, I always want to call him Trevor Lawrence. Oh, Trevor uh, Wallace. Trevor Wallace. There you go. Yeah. For some reason, in his, 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 uh, last name autocorrects to Lawrence for me every time. <laughs> uh, and you're, you've done a bunch. I've been, by the way, I've been booked in the quarantine to open for JP Sears, I think two or three times. And it's always like dates that don't end up happening or whatever. They get, oh no. They get canceled at clubs. I've never met him before, but, uh, like in that Tacoma comedy club, Spokane comedy club, uh, Appleton, like those uh, yeah. places I've been, uh, I've been scheduled to work with them and never have, but these guys are like known. If I, if I understand their career trajectories correctly, they are known. They were like famous YouTube people and then started doing stand up. And I don't think you were doing stand up long before you're like, you popped on uh, social media with videos, right? Yeah. Uh, both of those guys I'll classify as like a list internet people, right. a list comedians on the internet. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, JP, Trevor and I were doing stand up. I think he might've started a little bit after me, but his videos popped huge, like a year or two ago, he had his, you know, crowning moments, um, to bring him up to the top of the pack, uh, which is great. He's a great, great dude. And JP is a good buddy of mine too. JP, his story is cool. Cause he didn't start stand up until three years ago. Um, until he was already huge online for the videos and he embraced stand up with a passion and he loves it and works hard at it, which is cool. Cause a lot of those YouTube people, they don't care about like the yeah. craft. They don't care about being funny. They just like, will talk and walk around and then do 30 minutes of Q and a, mm-hmm. um, but JP kills it. And, and I've opened for him a couple times. And what's cool is, is about comedy today disregarding what's happening in 2020 even without a pandemic it's really become a do-it-yourself mm-hmm. business um because you can create your own content you don't have to wait for netflix or hulu to come around and give you a, a show deal you can just make stuff on your own and potentially reach more people than you would with a special so well yeah I mean, we've, we've mentioned three of those audience. people we've mentioned three of those people in stand-up already right which is uh Samuel... Joe mm-hmm. List and Mark Norman to all put out their like That's self-produced right. specials on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the days of like quote unquote like YouTube star being a pejorative are probably uh, 
they're ending because everybody's kind of heading that route that like do it yourself route uh yeah you have you do another thing i want to talk about the uh like the process of making videos in a second but you do a thing that i find like is it the exact kind of comedy that i like and what i try to write which is every time i see you and jp sears or you on your own tackle something that's even related to politics uh and it's not i wouldn't call any of your videos particularly political except for the fact that they satire politics yeah but there's always a joke about the left and a joke about the right every video is like i would say almost the perfect balance where it's like it is completely defensible Everything you're saying is defensible by the fact that, like, if you think this is offensive, you should also think this thing that I'm saying about the other people is offensive. Right. right? Yeah. Thanks, man. That I sincerely appreciate that. That's really cool that you get that from yeah. the word. Because that's a that's a conscious. I mean, not only is it a conscious effort, but it's also like just what I naturally want to write. I, don't, I, I usually don't sit down and make a T chart and make sure that everybody's got enough shots right. fired at them. It, it, it honestly really does come naturally, probably from if I'm doing like a cross-examination of my own psychology, it pro- probably <laughs> comes from a desperate need to be validated by everybody. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I, I, I don't want to um, isolate my audience and I simultaneously want to stay authentic to what I find to be true or funny and uh right now it's it's a cool balance to be honest lately it's it's i've taken more shots at the quote-unquote left than i have at the right just because they're feeding me material to make fun of dude so i know um do you you have any like nihilist do you have any because because this is uh i have this experience also which is you live in la right yeah and i live in uh seattle area so it's it's like very the only opinion you're allowed to have publicly is left-leaning, right? So the, or even like in Seattle, it's like far left-leaning. Yeah. And so I actually probably agree with those people more than I agree with conservatives, but I'm just inundated with their hypocrisy because I see them more often, right? It's the only opinion that's allowed to be said out loud around here. And so it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to see liberals acting stupid and notice that more often it's not because i'm conservative in fact right. it's probably because i'm left-leaning yeah because you're surrounded by the lunacy and you're closer yeah. to it so you have an easier way like an easier perspective toward it and and yeah i mean i grew up my mom voted like green party when i was a kid she took me to <laughs> grateful dead shows and i grew up with sure. her and the blowfish playing like i'm i'm as far left radical antifa as they come baby yeah. But but um just because I grew up with all of these left leaning philosophies doesn't mean I'm automatically going to blindly accept every policy and every uh uh, uh everything said by people on the left. And and I think a lot of people and we live in such a polarizing time that people do that on both sides. People blindly mm-hmm. follow Trump and like everything he says is the word of God. People blindly follow you know nancy pelosi like the, in the yeah. same way i think aoc is the trump of the aoc yeah exactly yeah 100 yeah, so um yeah and and you know what's really funny dude is like 
the people on the left are much more likely to um, vocalize their um, disappointment or frustrations about a piece of comedy content that sat satirizes the left than people yeah. on the right are. People on the right, and I see that uh, live at shows too, like a, a Trump crowd in Oklahoma or Virginia or Texas is so much more fun than a crowd in LA. It's incredible. Like, Oh my God, do they just not get offended about, I I made fun of Trump like hard uh, when I, when I was doing shows in Florida, I got an applause break. And then, you know, five minutes later I was making fun of Biden and I got an applause break again. And, but I did it on a show in LA and people yeah. got super tense. Like, yo, is he allowed to be saying this right now? Yeah, it's very funny. interesting. It's funny because Biden, it's funny, especially because everybody's had to like, I'm sure there's a lot of deleted tweets on what people said about Biden when it was the primary. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are like, you can't do, you, you, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you're a, uh, you're a racist. Yeah, 100%. Same people were like, nine months ago, were like, Joe Biden is a racist. Yeah, you know it's I mean? insane, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I have that exact same experience where it's like I these conservative crowds where you think that they're like going to be more sensitive in some way are not. It's the same as uh, experience I've had performing in front of black crowds where it's like if mm-hmm. you make a black joke in a, a a joke that references a black person in a liberal all white room in Seattle, and I'm sure L.A. is the same, they'll they'll like, you know, clam up. And if you do it in a black room, as long as the joke is good, yeah, you're going to, they're going to give you a fair shot and it's going to be the best experience you're going to. And, I, and I, I feel the same way. It's funny that the people that these, these, uh, these woke white people in Seattle, the people that they claim to either love or hate are both just way better audience members and less offended than they are. Right. Yeah. In comedy clubs. Right. Um, I did. I, I actually I was trying to pull up a I think I took a screenshot of some comments. I don't know that I need we need to relive it word for word. But you had a what was the video you did? It might it might have been the uh, the dead voters. You did a video where Dude. you and JP Sears were dead. So uh, I bet you'll know the video if I tell you the comment. Somebody said uh, you are uh, this is a dangerous conspiracy <laughs> that you are pushing and the people who follow it are dangerous <laughs> do, do you know which one was that was that about the dead voters thing yeah can i tell you something about that one man sure um so that was my i wrote the script and 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 put it together that was my video and the idea came when i kept seeing people online from the trump campaign and just random trump supporters saying Oh, dead people are voting. Like dead people are voting. There's so many dead people voting. There's a million ballots with dead people's names on them. And just, and the term dead people voting just like kept making me chuckle. And so I was like, well, who are these dead people that are voting? Let's make fun of that philosophy. Yeah. But so many people took it as if JP and I were saying, yeah, actually like, this is fraud. There's a massive fraud going on as if we're painting a, like showing a light on the fraud, like we're trying to get, but that is not the intention. And I thought it was pretty clear. Yeah. Let's Um, describe the video because it's, it's you as 
dead people. It's who me feel and like- JP with with makeup on to make us look like corpses. And in the video, we say, yeah, we, you know, being dead is fun. You get to play Frisbee and you can still vote. And that's just shots of us like playing Frisbee (laughs) and talking about how we voted for Biden because he's almost dead. Um, And that's just like a funny Biden joke. I don't care what side you're on. That's that's a very neutral joke. Um, And it got taken out of like out of context to the point where I was like, is my are people going to think I'm like some kind of right-wing conspiracy nut? Right. And on the one hand, I don't, I don't care. I truly don't care if that's what people think. Cause I know who I am. But on right. the other hand, I, I don't want that to be on my Wikipedia page one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was just, it was a very interesting social experiment to look at the amount of reactions that knew that the intention was to make fun of a debunked theory or the amount that, thought that I was promoting a debunked theory. So it was really interesting. It was funny though. And it turned out great. So I'm glad we made it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's like, I mean, there's, you've made a a couple of them that are just like the one you do. There's a thing you do. Are you from LA? Are you from uh, you? I know you do a lot of North, Northern California. Yeah. Southern California things. Yeah. I grew up in uh, Davis up by Sacramento. Okay. So, so there's a thing that's a very specific, uh, action that you do that's such like a i i don't know if you if i know that you do this on purpose but i don't know how <laughs> like if you realize how brilliant it is the thing the dudes i'm in my i'm 34 how old are you i'm 30 okay so yeah this the the chew the back in the chew can thing is such a fucking funny addition that's <laughs> that is a, that is a my generation our generation thing like a very our generation like broy dude thing totally that you dude. put into all these videos of like you you had one was it um oh man it was a uh, three versions of you i think talking about the debate the, oh yeah yeah those the bros talk politics yeah bros talk politics okay and i, I think i, I, I might have uh, shared that one on facebook because it's like it's such a it's you got a dude that's like got too much lotion on his hands i think one guy's snapping the finger it's so like got, that little... guy's washing his hands those are soap soap bubbles he's trying to stay sanitized <laughs> <laughs> it's so and and the writing is so fucking funny but also there's a thing with uh and maybe this is like you're just a we're just lucky to be alive in this period where the technology is like not insanely expensive a camera doesn't cost as much as a house Right. But like the quality is great. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, it's um that 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 series I've done a couple of those where I play these three broy dudes that are just hanging out, breaking down politics. Um and that that was the thing at the very beginning when I was making videos, I was way more focused on quality than I was on the content, mm. like the quality of the image and the and the product rather than trying to make it super funny. So a lot of my old stuff kind of falls flat, but it's also before I really turn the corner on my like writing and ability to comprehend ideas that I have. Um, So now like that, that goal of quality that I had at the beginning, the, I feel like the content has caught up to it. So now it's, it's a nice, you know what I mean? It's a nice marriage of um, the content and the, production quality and i also just want people like i want people to look at it and be like oh yeah this guy what where's his special like let's yeah like he's ready this is this makes sense um so is that that's actually like a question that i have is do you is 
your 99th percentile career outcome, like the, the best you could think of it being, are you making movies? Are you, do you have a sketch show? Are you uh, stand up only? Like, what is the like desired outcome? Uh, all of the above. Uh, you know, I, I would be, whether it's a stand up special, a sketch special, a sketch show, uh, a couple movies that I want to do, a few remakes that I have in mind. Um, I mean, all of the above. I, I don't really like set major future goals because mm-hmm. I, I really try to focus everything I have on the present and what I'm doing right now and, and how to get better at this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, long term, um, any of those. I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I'm completely solo. So until I do have those things that would afford me the ability to get in a room with somebody that has deep pockets, um, I'm just going to keep growing the audience and have more of a reason for those people to reach out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is, have you noticed, um, does it make a big difference for you in like road ticket sales? Cause let me yeah. actually, let me tell you this story because I remember this, I, Joe List is my favorite comic. So, uh, mm-hmm. every time I've worked with him, I've, uh, it's almost as like, I just love it. I fucking, uh, remember every part of it. Uh, you were supposed to headline that day. Yeah. And two things happened. One, by the way, tickets didn't sell great for Joe List either. Uh, yeah. In fairness. So I don't think they were selling great for you. They didn't yeah. sell great for Joe List. So not. Yeah. it's not like uh, like they brought him in to save the day, right? Right, right. Uh, right. He he was supposed to do a date at Parlor in, yeah. in Bellevue. Um, I just got done talking to a guy from Parlor, so I like I'm talking like as though everybody in the world knows what Parlor is. It's not the <laughs> app, by the way. Not the app. <laughs> uh, it's this club in in uh, Washington State that closed, and he's you know performed at Tacoma Comedy Club a lot. So they, uh, I don't know exactly how the transaction went, but you featured, I hosted, and he headlined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine that that's probably not something that would happen for you. Or I'm I'm curious. Is that like is it has it changed it so much that that would never happen now? Um, I would like to start seeing if my ticket sales could match someone like Joe List. Not in no. a competitive sense. I mean, I can't say that. Obviously, in a competitive sense, because sure. I grew up playing basketball. I have a ridiculous competitive nature. But I also want Joe List to succeed because he's funny as shit. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I would be curious if my ticket sales now with the following I have on social media could match or exceed someone who's been a road comic for years and has a couple of specials out. Yeah. Um, because a lot of those guys don't have as big of a social media following, but they have more, um, they have, they have like a deeper audience base because they've been around longer and they've done bigger things that might've sure. resonated on a wider scale. So it's uh, just, out of curiosity, I would be, I would be interested to see if I could go to Tacoma now and sell as many tickets as somebody who goes there once a year, like Adam Ray, or, you know, one of those other guys. Um, I, I pre pandemic, I had been doing a ton of one nighters, a ton of Thursdays and Sundays featuring on the weekends and just starting to headline a rooms on Thursdays and or Sundays. Like I, I had a date at, um, uh, Cobbs in San Francisco, Punchline Sacramento. Um, I had weekends at DC Comedy Loft coming up. Like I had this whole summer tour where I was doing one-nighters at A rooms and weekends at A and B rooms. 
and that that all got scrapped. And so now as I start to reschedule it, I, and as I start to, I haven't started yet, but as I do start to reschedule it, I'm going to say, Hey, just so you know, my numbers have more than tripled. And I really think we could move some tickets, um, in 2021 based on that. And it's, it's fun. It's exciting. Uh, because I literally don't know, like I could have 250,000 followers across all social platforms, which I do now, but maybe none of them go to comedy shows. Like I have sure. no, I, I have no idea. Uh, but I got to use it as a bargaining chip to find out and then to see what I can do differently to start getting more people out. If it doesn't work to what, to the numbers I want, you know? Right. Is there any part of you that's like, why don't I just rent a theater in that city? Yeah. Um, I have this, and- I'm going to, I want to tell you like the most petty, uh, there's a brewery show I was trying to get on here forever. That's just yeah. like, it's just like a good show. It's not a, uh, it's, there's no like prestige to it. First off it's Seattle. It's like the 13th biggest market in the country. Right. It's not a, uh, it's not a, uh, but it was like, I just was annoyed that they would never book me. And I was like, yeah. you know, I was like, you know what I should fucking do is just the same night as their show, pay like a thousand dollars to advertise the show right next, like the closest small theater to that place yeah and uh which is like very petty uh but i have that like spiteful shit in me i saw this thing in uh (laughs) in uh during the pandemic it was uh oh god it was like severe independence is a trauma response and i was like oh fuck maybe maybe this is caused by some other shit in my life that i like (laughs) like, fuck these guys that won't book me because i'm a straight white guy I'm going to book my own shows from now on. And maybe that's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, I love it. Yeah. That's, that's uh, renting a theater. I think I would want a bigger following or if something like that happened where a club was like, eh, we don't want you to headline. We want you to feature again and maybe headline in a year. Sure. But it's a place I know I could pack. Like I know I could pack San Diego. I know I could pack Sacramento. I know I could pack Phoenix. So if something like that happened, I would definitely look into a, indie venue i don't think i could sell out a theater though like and unless it's like a small theater like 100 or 200 seats in one sure. of those places but i i feel like i'm in this in this phase now where i need to be um testing my ticket sales and see seeing how many people come out and so i don't want to jump too far ahead i remember the story kevin hart had about how he was selling out uh weekends at comedy clubs but before he did theaters he came back and he, he did the comedy clubs again. He could have sold out theaters Yeah. this one year for a second year in a row, but instead he sold out comedy clubs for two years straight. Instead of moving on to theaters, he just added more dates to the comedy clubs so that when he did the theaters, he knew that they would sell out. And there's a, there's a sense of patience to that um, that I really respect. And I try to live with this patience because of all careers but especially in entertainment if you don't have patience you're gonna suffocate yourself with the pressure that you put on yourself i think and i i've experienced i've experienced not having patience and it only leads to frustration and compare unfair comparisons with others yeah and so i've tried to adopt this sense of patience to remind myself oh i don't need to be selling out weekends at comedy clubs right now I need to be just getting really, really good 
mm-hmm. so that when that opportunity presents itself, I can knock it out of the park. Um, so I, that's that's kind of where I where my head lies in terms of like venues and looking forward to f- the future of doing shows. Gotcha. So you, you put out more. You also put out more content, I think, than is even imaginable for me. What I, <laughs> I want to know is like uh, you. I mean, like the Biden or the dead voters thing, obviously, is like that's a script that a script to publish turnaround in like short a short amount of time, like very few days, if not mm-hmm. one day. Uh, do you have like what is the like who is in the background? Who who's like the production? Is there is there anybody else besides you and JP in that case, or the videos that you do with yourself? Is there anyone else involved, or is it are uh, just, just the guy that shoots it? The oh, okay. Yeah. So you typically for things with a fast turnaround, like um, the Gavin Newsom impression videos, the dead people voting videos, pretty much anything topical, the bros talking about politics, anything topical has to be immediate or else it's old within 24 hours. So the Gavin Newsom video, for example, those I shoot in my living room by myself. I set up the camera. uh, I pull focus on an object that's going to be where I'm sitting. I hit record in front of the green screen read off all the lines upload it to the computer edit it and then it's it goes from writ written to uploaded on youtube in a matter of like six hours and that's a that that's an easier one that's a lower stakes one One shot one one place one yeah yeah so so for another example i could give is um me and my buddy did a trump versus biden doing the final debate. Mm -hmm. So he came over and we watched the final debate together and we took a bunch of notes. And as we're taking notes, my makeup artist is putting the bald cap on me because that's a two hour prosthetic uh, to put on. Mm -hmm. So she's putting the bald cap on me. We're watching the debates and we're taking notes. And then she puts the wig on me for Biden. And by then, by the time she's putting on the wig, the debate has ended and me and my buddy are hashing out like the structure of the sketch. And so now it's been about two hours since we started the process. Then it, we take about two hours to shoot it because we're Was ripping. that Adam Ray? Was that Adam Ray on that no, sketch? No, we did the, me and Adam did um, two guys watch it, like how people watch the debates. Gotcha. But okay. uh, my buddy Austin Nasso does a great Trump impression. Seattle comic, I believe. Austin? Yeah, he's a- yeah. He, yeah, he's a former Seattle comic. Yeah, yeah, he was up there. Um, and it, what an incredible vocal talent that guy is. Yeah. So, uh, so then the we take about- The best Trump impression, by the way. The I best. Think. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, we take like two hours to shoot the thing. And then on, on something like that, I took like another four to six hours to edit because I got to go through all the lines and chop it up and make sure it's flowed and fix mm-hmm. the green screen with the color. And by now we're, we're around three or 4 a.m. after starting at uh, six or 7 p.m., and so around three or four p.m. three sorry three or four a.m. I'm hitting the export button, and I'm going to bed. And right. um, so that type of stuff, uh, it sounds like a nightmare, but it literally fuels me. Like it's so mm-hmm. fun because the next day, you it's like every not only are people shocked that it came out so fast, but they're so appreciative that they don't have to wait for like SNL or they don't have yeah. to wait for some other take. And after doing that a couple of times, if I can become the, the place people want to go to 
right away when a story breaks. I would love to be that guy. And it, it, there is a pressure that comes with that of like having to have something to say about a topical situation. But fuck, that's fun. That's cool. Yeah. I'll, I'm down to try. I, I don't have a job. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> I can't do stand up. All my money is coming off ad revenue online. And it's not yeah. much, but it's enough to make rent. And so I'm happy to be that guy. I will lose sleep once or twice a week to make something that people find awesome. Um, so anyway, does that, I, I, I know that no, was like great. a that's fucking great. self-serving egotistical no, rant. I, I'm so sorry, but I, I mean, I was, I'm just trying to break down the process for you. Maybe the audience thinks that, but I loved it. That's I, okay. Cause, cool. cause, cause I always think about how, like I dude, sleep is like the first thing I think about where I'm like, I, I there's <laughs> this woman that does uh she, she actually got laid off. I think at some point during the pandemic, but there's this woman that used to do this sports radio show, uh, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. on oh, like God. a local station. And it was like, I wouldn't say it was quite like as polished as like an NPR morning edition, but it was like not that far off of that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, she's talking about a game that ended 11 o'clock our time. And there's been enough writing and production to get to this point at 5 a.m. When the fuck does this lady sleep? And that's Crazy. like, yeah. And that's the, that's the, uh, that's exactly what I think about. It's like, how, how do you go? And do, and then the other thing about it is, do you, this person that's shooting the video, I assume you have to pay that person or they get some sort of, or maybe yeah, so, very lucky. Uh, it, it, it very, that again, varies like on, on what sure. I just described for the debate, um, Trump versus Biden debate. I have a green screen on my wall so I can just set up the camera. I know lighting so I can set up the lights um what kind of camera do you have i have a fuji xt3 okay it's a Looking mir- it up after yeah mirrorless dslr shoots 4k really nice um got it during the pandemic because i wanted oh, to nice. boost my boost the game and so for for stuff that's like green screen type stuff for the gavin newsom video i could shoot that myself and go straight into the edit for stuff like the bros or when you see the camera has some zooms or if there's if the camera moves at all or has any style stylistic element to it I'm working with one of any like four or five friends that shoot stuff for me. Um, and I'm still directing and watching the playback and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I love working with people. I just don't want to work with too many people. So yeah, I, it's I, a tough time. Yeah. I, I early on, I, I had other people editing my stuff or coloring my stuff or doing the sound mixing, but I would have to wait on them. I'd have to pay them a little extra. So I just decided this was years ago. I just said, fuck it. I need to learn everything. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And so now I'm uh, pretty much the only thing I don't do is hold the camera. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's what, so I'm a, uh, like a sound guy. Uh, cool. I know like a decent amount of sound and I'm, uh, I am like, I bought some lights in the pandemic and I'm like, I mean, I, I'm like at the stage, I think where I probably need to just fucking fail, but, uh, <laughs> cause like I've written, I have a sketch written and it's like, I mean, I I can't shoot it myself, but like, why wouldn't I just shoot it? Like, let's just fucking shoot this thing and put yeah. it out, and it it's probably gonna bomb and and flop. And who? Gives but it has it? to. It's like uh, imagine. Remember when you were doing your first open mics? How bad yeah. you were? Yeah. It's that's the same thing. The only difference is the internet is where your jokes live forever. So an open mic, yeah. everybody everybody forgets your shitty jokes the next day. Yeah. But like the internet, they don't forget your shitty jokes. But the thing is, after like a year or two just de- just delete the, the shitty videos like I, yeah. bro i've literally i've taken down a couple videos that i just didn't like at all that i put out <laughs> six years ago and i feel no shame in that it's like yeah. 
You know, that would be like going to an open mic and tacking a bad joke up on the wall that you think yeah. is great. And then five years later, just taking it down so that no one can see it anymore. That's, I, I, there's no shame in that. But I do think you have to fail miserably on the internet before you can see any type of success, which sure. sucks, but it's like a necessary pain. In my, yeah. in my opinion. I recently started using TikTok, which you're great oh, on. I'm also. so sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. It's the, the thing about it is though, is like uh, Twitter's fine. Cause you can just like throw out a joke and see if it gets a response. T- TikTok is nice because it's still like new enough that uh, the algorithm seems like more friendly to people who don't have a lot of followers. So like, yeah, yes, that's because China wants your data, dude. That's right. That's right. Well, fine. <laughs> take it. As long as you make me a star, China, make me a star. <laughs> exactly. Uh, at the expense of everybody else. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I posted like, I posted a well-crafted, like decently shot, not there's sound isn't great on it actually, but uh, stand-up clips like broken into, these were like the, the, small like chunks of this joke that i find even like the shit edited out in the middle that you don't need if you're going from one spot to another and uh they got like 150 views and then i posted yeah. this thing like i was literally like oh it'd be kind of funny i was sitting right here two nights ago and i was like uh waiting for something to finish on my computer and i was like oh it'd be funny if i posted something about this and it gets like twenty five thousand views two thousand likes and i'm like i have no fucking idea it's you know it makes I mean? no sense dude it makes yeah. no sense. The only guarantee on TikTok is if uh, you're a teenage girl with booty shorts on, you're going to get a million views. Yeah. That's the only guarantee. I'll I never be that. cannot stand TikTok. I, I just cut videos that I make into minute long segments yeah. and I'll, I'll upload that. But the whole TikTok style and the trends and the sounds people use for is too much for me. It works great for some people and that's awesome. Yeah. But it's it's um it's too much for me to, it, I just want my videos to do well, and I don't I don't have any interest in like learning a new platforms ways. But I, I would suggest like if you're open to suggestion, uh, if you have stand up clips, throw some subtitles on them and start yeah. putting those on TikTok in the aspect ratio that's meant for TikTok, the uh, sixteen yeah. by nine. Um, because I've seen a lot of people's stand up go viral and these are people that don't do comedy videos or anything they just do stand up but they'll put a clip on tiktok and it'll get like a million views in a couple days if you like yeah. do the hashtags right or whatever um, yeah it's weird how the hashtags are so important because i yeah i had the the first video i actually tried to put on tiktok is exactly what you said which is a stand-up clip it actually is not in that the right uh orientation and it's but it's got subtitles but it was subtitles for 16 by 9 so they're like cut off oh um, yeah yeah ends and it should and that did like i mean it only like three thousand views and 100 likes but it was like the first time where i was like oh i see the point of this platform yeah yeah and then i put like i was like oh well if this works this better joke that's shot better that i can get into to whatever the the uh portrait orientation like that'll work way better and now it's fucking flopped it's um, so random dude it's yeah. random on there yeah but you're probably right about the i mean i think the subtitles thing is a real uh has been a real revelation for a lot of people like i would have yeah, never put huge. subtitles on um i but i know you're uh you're a little bit tight on time so i i want to know how good at basketball are you <laughs> because i saw you on tiktok by the way one of your oh yeah 
you posted a thing and a lot of people have a lot of confidence that they could beat you at basketball or that they could guard uh, you at basketball. I saw that so funny. And um, you seem decent at basketball. I don't know how many takes. Obviously, you don't have to one take. A, no, it's a, all one take, dude. One take, baby. <laughs> never I've never, I have never missed a shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I played, I played varsity in high school and then I played in college, D3 at UC Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, and then I transferred to UC Santa Barbara, which is D1. And I was walking on, I was going to redshirt a year and then play the set. The, my, I, if that had happened, I probably would have stayed for a fourth and a fifth year. Sure. Just so I could be like a third string point guard. Um, but I broke my ankle. Okay. So uh, I, I was on crutches and in a boot for six months. Uh, and I ended up getting involved at the student newspaper and the student radio station at UC Santa Barbara and um, decided not to try out for the team the next year. Cause I was too I busy see. with internships and everything else. And, uh, but I still play I, I play on that court. That's in the video uh, in that TikTok video. I play there on weekends and where is I that wish court? the hoops were open. It's so crazy that they have the hoops all locked up in LA. Yeah, what strange. do you mean? What is that? I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I don't know if you can tell by looking at me or if you remember my. <laughs> but I, I'm not a basketball player. I played in in school like uh, up until I think eighth grade or something like that, and then I focused yeah. on baseball. I focused on baseball is what I tell myself when I remember <laughs> that I didn't play high school basketball. But uh, what what do you mean the hoops are closed? They they put um, you know the thing that you put on your car steering wheel. To oh, the stop club? people from stealing it. Yeah, they put that on hoops out here in LA. What? Or they took the rims off of the hoops in the outdoor parks. Whoa. What's it's insane, the... dude. It's it's absolutely ridiculous the regulations that California is doing right now. That's the well, that's an again, this is like that both sides thing, but it's like um if you can't look at a for like in Washington State, for example uh movie theaters could be open and restaurants could be open for a while now nothing can be open um yeah. because we're spiking and all that but uh you couldn't have comedy clubs open well it's like uh, if movie crazy. theaters can be yeah it just doesn't like i can't make the logical it makes I, no sense i can see the argument that like you can't have indoor dining and that you can't have movie theaters but what i can't see is if both those things were allowed what's the difference between that and a comedy club at that point Right. And I mean, that segues into a whole other podcast episode we could talk about, <laughs> about COVID and, and all that stuff. But it, it just, um, the, there's a lot of uh, 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 efforts being made by politicians that don't seem like they're based on data. It seems like they're based on virtue signaling and like trying to be symbolically um, empathetic instead of being empathetic in a determined way to the people that are most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just a quick example of that is like, um, I was in Whole Foods in LA the other day and it was packed with no distancing, everybody's shoulder to shoulder. Um, and I don't care. Like I, I, I am very comfortable around people uh, based on the data, but the fact that we can do that and a Whole Foods can have up to 2000 people coming through the doors throughout the course of a day and it's a closed space. Now you have the breath of 2000 people lingering in the air as people are scared of. And yet I can't play basketball with three of my friends that are super healthy and mm -hmm. we want to strengthen our immune system and our lungs. Um, and if we're not seeing older people or people with 
pre-existing conditions, then why shouldn't we be allowed to exercise outdoors? And then the argument becomes, well, oh, well, what if you give it to each other and then you go to Whole Foods and you spread it? Well, hey, if we're spreading it, if the people that are vulnerable are shopping at Whole Foods, let's give them the resources so that they don't have to shop at Whole Foods. Let's give them free prime delivery for their groceries until the vaccine is out. Like, so there, there are just these illogical um, measures, in my opinion, that are being taken. uh, And it's crazy. And then there's a whole other subset of people that think it's a conspiracy by the reptiles and the lizard people (laughs) are taking over. And you know what, dude, maybe they are, bro. Well, dude, I, let me say Gavin Newsom, (laughs) Gavin Newsom did no favors to anybody getting caught. Fucking that's the shit though. That's the shit though. To me that it's like, how can you be, so righteous about the left when like Pelosi's getting a haircut and Newsom's at whatever this, I don't know this restaurant. It's apparently famous. Yeah. Uh, French, French laundry. laundry. Like, yeah. like they are very obviously living a different existence than they expect every other person to live, whether they are, by the way, Trump's fucking golfing instead of going to, I mean, th- he's no good either. Right. Like but he's already given up dude. Yeah, but uh, that dude's going to he's he's going to resign. He's not going to concede. He's going to resign in protest and run again yeah. in 2024. That's oh, 100%. 100%. But yeah. his the that's the shit to me though is like it's the hypocrisy on both sides is so in your face and we have to like apologize for one side's hypocrisy and accept the other where it's like these are our goddamn employees, these people. You know what yeah. I mean? We pay yeah. their salary. And and you know my my a genuine honest thought is that when you see somebody like Gavin Newsom at a dinner with more than three households, not wearing a mask is because he's acting the way people should act. And he's taking it as seriously in that photo as people should be taking it. We're running around crying about how this is a zombie virus. That's going to kill you within three days, no matter who you are. And that's factually not true. The data shows the specific, very small demographic of people that are severely affected. So why are we having blanket regulations for everyone when we should be showing more empathy and and giving more resources and attention to the vulnerable group Mm -hmm. while allowing everybody else to slowly transform back to society? And I'm not saying let's run around without masks and have an orgy, but I'm saying let's take the locks off the basketball hoops. Yeah. I think that the mask thing is such a weird place for us to be divided because it's like, I I see this shit where I'm like, uh, people are like, oh, they always report on these uh, Trump super spreader events or they report on Sturgis, but they never talk about the the spikes from the Black Lives Matter rallies. And by the way, I am certain this is where the media loses credibility is I am certain there were spikes after the Black Lives Matter. 100% dude. And after the celebrations for Biden's election. For sure, but they seem to be the spikes are lower because almost all those people are wearing masks. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that seems to be like Sturgis turned South Dakota and North Dakota from like bottom third states into they are the worst states, each by its own standard deviation above the next worst state. They're fucking. Are you in- talking about as far as case case numbers go? Cases per hundred thousand people, yeah, and mm-hmm. and they're 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 catching up in deaths per hundred thousand people. Also, obviously, like New York and New Jersey got hit so early and had so many elderly people die. Um, But my point is, is that like 
yeah like wh- the where the where your fucking mask i mean this we're turning into like uh like a uh i'm just anthony fauci right now <laughs> and i guess you're like uh i don't know who do you want to be don jr you want to be don jr? Uh, no 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 <laughs> wait let me get my bag of cocaine and then i can be don jr <laughs> uh but yeah i mean it's like you know the mask thing is so inconsequential uh and it's it's like it's in my in i had this conversation with a family member the other day it's just we're not getting the right data mm-hmm. to know so many things like and we have hundreds of epidemiologists that have access if not thousands to the best possible data so why are we not being told specifically the demographic that's getting sick we know 80 percent are either asymptomatic or have mild symptoms mild meaning they get a regular common cold mm-hmm. and 20 percent have severe symptoms so the 20 percent why don't we know who those people are so that we can make regulations to protect people that are in that 20% instead of telling people to wear a mask when they jog on the beach and no one's around, you know, like that's not helping anybody. The one thing about that is the science is like evolving as we learn more, right? Like this is a, this is a novel virus. So I guess like I'll give them a little bit of, but the other thing is, man, again, like the, like the media does no favors when uh, they report on these outbreaks Fauci didn't do anyone any any favors by saying masks don't work or are actually harmful, yeah, dude. right? That's that like terrible. It's he was wrong, and I think that and even like maybe the reason is like kind of noble, but it's also like, man, you've really sown a lot of distrust with people who were already looking for a reason. Yeah, and you dude. fed that conspiracy that yeah. uh, you know the new world order wants everyone to be masked, and I don't know how much you've read into that. I read into all that conspiracy shit mostly for entertainment, but um, like they're feeding those people. At least a third of the country thinks that a new world order is trying to rise up and depopulate the planet with this virus. And you know what, bro? They have a lot going for them and the media isn't doing them any favors with the way they're acting and reporting. I I just want more data. I want people to respect each other. I wear a mask at the store. I don't wear one when I'm working out because I'm literally on the beach a hundred feet away from everybody. Yeah. Um, and it gets wet and I swallow it when I run anyways. So, but beside the point, it's, it's just, I, I want to do, sh- I, I was in Texas and Florida doing shows to packed clubs. And um, there, there is an argument in, in let people uh, make the choice on, on what to do based on the data. That's a valid argument. The, the, yeah. the, argument against that is well they don't get to kill people with their choices mm-hmm. but to that i say the data doesn't show that everyone's dying so there's a lot of people support, dying though. there's a lot of people dying but let's let's support the demographic that like that demographic that's dying is very specific it's not a broad demographic it's extremely yeah. specific i and think so let's support that demographic by giving them the resources to not have to be put in potential harm's way mm-hmm. until the vaccine is out, in my unpolitical fucking stupid opinion. I uh, Have you gotten an antibody test? No, but I really want to. I've gotten a couple COVID tests and I've been negative. I have no sure. idea how, because I've been shaking hands with people after shows. Yeah, and it's, it's anybody that wants antibodies. to. Yeah, that's what I think. I, th- I think I might. 
Um, you can get them, by the way. This is just like a, I guess, a free advertisement before I let you go. Uh, Fred Meyer or I think Kroger is the what, what they're called. Other places, uh, they're doing yeah. twenty five dollar uh, antibody tests. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, I'm an appointment online. I'm getting one on Friday, and I'm, uh, nice. I am hoping I will be so much less worried about going on the road to do comedy if I have the antibodies. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and also. Um, yeah, I, I I totally get that. Let me know what it, what it comes back as, and I'll let yeah, you know when I, when I get mine too. And we can right, celebrate together. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, let me know when you're back in town. By the way, well, uh, if you do drink, yeah. All right, you could be like on the fence of the kind of person that would either never has never had a drink in their life. <laughs> you could also be a person that's just like drunk right now. You've been drinking <laughs> just drunk and high twenty four hours a day. Yeah, bro, I'm in. Uh, we're gonna need it after all this. I'm down. Yeah, man. All right, sounds good. Uh, thank you again for doing it and I'll, uh, yeah. Cool brother. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right. I hope you like Brent Pella. Uh, very funny dude. Go check out his sketches. I want to talk about Thanksgiving. That's what everyone did. I, uh, I cooked, I made, um, I made a spatchcock turkey. I made mashed potatoes. There's this dude that I like a lot named uh, Kenji Lopez Alt, who, if you're somebody that doesn't cook a lot, he's a good place to get started on cooking stuff because you hear it's so confusing and everybody's mom and grandma and grandpa and uncle and also maybe uh, dad or brother, sister. I could go through the entire goddamn family tree. They all have these wives' tales, these silly rules that they live by, right? You hear all this bullshit like uh, you have to sear a steak first to seal in the juices because somehow <clears throat> we view like we view cooking as like uh, what would be it's like you're, uh, you're molding plastic or something like that. Kenji does has done scientific experiments on stuff like that. <clears throat> another episode and more throat clearing into the microphone if there's anything that you get from this it's just know that i occasionally need to clear my throat so kenji kenji does a lot to dispel those myths these the because what you hear a lot of times is conflicting stuff you'll hear one uh one person says you should do it this way one person says you should uh you should wash the starch away from your mashed potatoes. Another person says, don't do that. It'll, you know, whatever suck in some way. I don't know. So I really, uh, the dude Kenji uses the scientific method, which is something that I, I guess I respond to as somebody using the scientific method to, uh, to make decisions. Um, so I, I spatchcocked a turkey. I made these, these specific, mashed potato recipe the kenji lopez alt uh we'll call him kenji lopez for for short the recipe that he on it's he's on a website called serious eats kenji lopez alt. we'll call him lopez alt we'll honor the hyphenated last name lopez alt he does a lot of stuff for serious eats the food lab is the name of his column 
He has a book called The Food Lab, by the way, that you can uh, buy on Amazon or wherever that's got a lot of this information. Anyways, I used his his guide for brining a turkey. I used his guide for spatchcocking a turkey. I used his guide for mashed potatoes. Um, I smoked a turkey using a modified version of the Oklahoma Joe's smoked turkey breast recipe. Just smoked the breast, not the whole turkey. Uh, I made Adam Carolla's uh, cranberry sauce recipe, which I've been making for years, by the way. I started making it after hearing him talk about it on Loveline. So if you're worried that I have gone right wing, and that's why I listened to Adam Carolla, no, that's not true. I have stopped listening to Adam Carolla because he seems like a little bit of a lunatic, though, Adam, if for whatever reason you're out there listening, happy to have you on the podcast. Big molder of me as a youth. Anyways, his, uh, his cranberry sauce recipe, and then for stuffing, I used, we just got like some Whole Foods stuffing bags, the bags of stuffing. And then I made a mirepoix. I churched it up, as my buddy Adam Posse would say. Maybe, I don't remember if he was guest number two on this podcast, but an early guest of the podcast, Adam Posse, taught me the phrase, uh, churching it up. I churched up the stuffing. I made a mirepoix uh, in advance, which is diced onions, carrots, and celery. I sauteed that um, in butter and replaced the water in the recipe with chicken stock, baby. Make it a little richer, uh, as my mother-in-law would say, to add some depth of flavor. So it was fine. I, there's things about Thanksgiving that I don't find tremendously exciting. I don't, I don't really fuck with the cranberry sauce. My wife loves that cranberry sauce, but I'm, I make it because it's a crowd pleaser. Oh, and then here's another crowd pleaser, by the way. Homemade whipped cream. And it's so easy. Uh, you get heavy cream and you whip the shit out of it for a while. And it's a big time crowd pleaser. I made that also. My mother-in-law made apple crisp. I took a shot at making my own dinner rolls. Failed miserably. Failed miserably. My yeast is dead. It did not rise. And I don't care if you care about this, by the way, because I'm just going through the whole goddamn dinner. Uh, my my mother-in-law brought rolls, and she made apple crisp, which was the recipient of the homemade. Oh, and I used Kenji's gravy recipe. Top secret. Ken- it was a big hit also, I will say. Um, People don't like turkey. And I think it's fine. I actually will say I was I was pretty pleased with my smoked turkey, and I was a little disappointed with my spatchcock turkey for the first time since I've started spatchcocking turkeys. Uh, so, by the way, my wife in the background, if you can't hear that, good. I hope you can't, but she's like yelling, playing with our daughter. It's quite adorable, but makes a little bit of distraction on a podcast. Um... All right, let's talk about the news. By the way, I I set out to watch football on Thanksgiving. I ended up cooking the whole day. I didn't watch a single 
I watched maybe a combined like three snaps between the two games. So speaking of football, we got a lot of uh we got a lot of football to talk about. First off, uh Sarah Fuller was became the first woman to play for a Power Five conference college football program because Vanderbilt's entire kicking unit was in a COVID-19 protocol. She kicked like a squib kick in the second half, and that was it. Uh, that was her. So I have a couple quotes from her. Uh, so the guy that the guy that decided, made this decision, his name's Derek Mason. He's Vanderbilt's coach. He was fired on Sunday, a day after making this decision. Pretty obviously not for making this decision. I think that the team has lost 12 games in a row. But kudos to this dude for for swinging his dick around uh, right before he left and making a decision like this. This feels like the kind of thing that unfortunately can only happen in this kind of like backdoor maneuver. Like we weren't going to get there without this. We had a virus. We had a coach who felt like his job was on the line. Now he's got some kind of a legacy. Um, so it sounds like uh, it sounds like she's going to stick around on the team, and she wants to. But she made, she had this quote that made me laugh because it reminds me of a comedy situation that I had. So Vanderbilt's trailing uh, twenty-one nothing at halftime, and she's on the sidelines. And uh, so her quote is. If I'm going to be honest, I was a little pissed off at how quiet everyone was on the sideline. We made a first down, and the and I was the only one cheering. And I was like, what the heck? What's going on? And I tried to get them pumped. So uh, this is a great story. Represents progress, etc. I'm not, I'm not going to shit on the story. But what this reminds me of in comedy is every couple months, like a new person will start doing comedy. And first off, they think that they deserve to be paid for the art they're creating that is fucking horrific and uh, that nobody's paying to see. That's another another part of this. Um, but occasionally you'll get a guy, I honestly, it's always men that do this. <laughs> I was going to say a man or a woman, but it's always dudes. They'll be like, we need to unionize. As comics, we got like a three month comic going, we need to unionize a person who has seven minutes of material that's mediocre coming in. We need to unionize. We deserve to be being paid more. And they never understand why they don't get this. And so this is this is what uh, Sarah Fuller reminded me of is someone who jumped into a situation. She's brand new to him was like, you guys, you know. You guys should be more excited. I don't listen. I realize we've lost the last 11 games, but you guys should be more excited about this immaterial first down when we're down three touchdowns. I I do have a feeling about um I've heard people talk about well, we don't need to get into that. I'm happy this happened and there's a lot of shitty people on the internet talking about uh, a variety of things about this in ignorant and stupid and regressive ways, and I don't want to be one of those people. What I will say is, a lot of times I will hear people talk about men's sports and women's sports, and this is, again, proof that there are no such thing as men's sports. 
there are women's sports and there are sports because in football, baseball, basketball, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that this is necessarily always been the case, but in football, baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever, these coaches want to win. And I can guarantee you that most of the coaches in most of those sports, if there was a woman on campus or in a tryout that gave the team a better chance to win, they would allow that woman to be part of the team. And, uh, you know, I, this is like, this is a great example of, I think, like a, a coach being open-minded enough and maybe living in a time um, where women are empowered to try out for some shit like this, which is great. It's a great story. It's a great story. There's nothing bad about it. And by the way, so many shitty people on the internet. Women should be getting an equal shot. If they're better than their male counterparts, they absolutely should be getting an equal shot. And it's uh, it's cool that Sarah Fuller got that opportunity, and hopefully she continues to be part of the team and uh, and becomes like a regular kicker on that team. <clears throat> San Francisco, uh, the 49ers, and any team that's playing in Santa Clara County are facing uh, some small sports-related crises because Santa Clara County has banned contact sports. Any sport that does not allow for social distancing is banned in Santa Clara County, which is, that's what I'm saying. Uh, this is kind of what Brent and I were talking about, where I, I don't necessarily, there's, there's some finer points of the COVID argument that I think I'd probably disagree with with Brent Pella on. But I think that it doesn't make sense to me that in Santa Clara County, the NF the NFL can't play. The NFL that has infrastructure and safeguards in place for this COVID situation that is also very high profile. And what I worry about is that a situation like this, uh, Santa Clara County is grandstanding and kind of thumbing their nose at or using the NFL as a political statement to say not even these revenue generating tax generating uh wealthy guys or more importantly these people who are costing the city quite a bit of money also not even they are exempt from this rule and i think that there has been so comedy clubs specifically for a while in Washington state. And I've talked about this on this podcast, but for a while, uh, live performance in Washington state was illegal at the same time as indoor dining at restaurants and, uh, movie theaters were allowed. And there's not something special to me about live performance unless you're worried about the performer getting the audience sick. And if that's the case, that's very easy to legislate, right? Like if you can put a barrier between the performer and the audience, um, maintain social distancing, all that stuff. If you can meet all the guidelines, there's nothing special about live performance. Now we're at a place in Washington State where everything's everything I mentioned is closed, so who gives a shit uh, about the difference? But 
I, again, like I, I have we heard about major outbreaks happening at these stadiums that are even allowing a couple fans in? Are we doing these guys who are willing to play? All these guys have the opportunity to opt out of the season. I don't know if the NFL is allowing midseason opt outs. I know baseball allowed guys to opt out at any point that they wanted to. Um, anyways, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it is fucking hilarious that the San Francisco 49ers have for years been called by their detractors, the Santa Clara 49ers, and now they are no longer even the Santa Clara 49ers. Maybe the San Diego 49ers, the, uh, Boise 49ers. Actually, I don't think, I think Boise had a, a game canceled also. Boise State, I believe, had a game canceled also. There was a weird boxing match thing. Trilla? Was it Trilla? Um, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. was the main event. The undercard was uh, Nate Robinson versus Jake Paul. I know Jake Paul because he's the brother of Logan Paul, and the only reason I know who Logan Paul is is because Logan Paul did that thing where he, like, posed with a hanging body in a suicide forest in Japan. I know Logan Paul is, like, very famous, but he's one of those, it's, there's, like, a like an age level. <clears throat> you can't be my age and be, like, <clears throat> you can't be my age and just, like, inherently aware of Logan Paul because he's not for me. But that's how I know who Jake Paul is. He is, so, I think these dudes have become controversial for, like, woke reasons. Like, they're problematic in some way. Uh, I'm not doubting that. But, Jake Paul destroyed Nate Robinson, which was sad. I'm a Washington Huskies fan. I just got done watching, I had just gotten done watching the Huskies come back against the University of Utah in dramatic fashion, and it seemed like we were primed for a great night of Husky sports. We were gonna see, we were gonna see the Huskies win, and then Nate Robinson, former Washington Huskies football player, more famously former Washington Huskies basketball player, we were gonna see a sweep, a Husky sweep, and then Nate Robinson got destroyed. Snoop Dogg called uh, called part of the fight, which is funny, or called the fight. I've listened to some of his commentary. It's great. It's inspired me. Tell me if you think you would listen to this. We are in this age where, like, everyone's streaming stuff on the internet right now, meaning, meaning we're all in Zoom uh, conversations, all podcasts now, or most of them are these, like, remote podcasts over Zoom. Would you watch a sporting event, if I assembled a group of comedians to watch the sporting event and talk about it on Zoom, would you watch that? Because I think that'd be fun. Nate Robinson got knocked down uh, in the second, knocked out in the second round of the fight. Pretty brutal knockout. Sounds like he's okay, but this is a, a very sad it's it's not quite like the celebrity boxing events of like the 90s and early 2000s but it's not that far off 
these are at least, I mean, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones are in their 50s. These dudes should not be taking any more brain damage. I watched as much of the fight as I could uh, stream legally, of course. Streamed legally, of course. If you're out there, police, they streamed it legally. Uh, <clears throat> to me, it looked like Mike Tyson won handily, but it was called a draw. That seemed like it was kind of a marketing purposes thing anyway. <clears throat> Mike Tyson still punches hard. You can't take that away from Mike Tyson. Uh, it didn't seem like he or Roy Jones were trying to knock the other person out. In fact, I will say that I thought Roy Jones looked like he didn't expect Mike Tyson to come out as hard as he did. And those body shots, they seem to uh, seem to be taking quite a toll on him. I also noticed that Mike Tyson was punching below the belt a lot. And I could not figure out if it was because he's a dirty fighter now or if it was because Roy Jones Jr. is 51 years old and because he's 51 years old, he's pulled his pants all the way up to his armpits. Um, all right, let's see. What else do we got here? Oh, my God. The Broncos. The Denver Broncos. By the way, can you hear me shuffling paper in the background? I printed out stories. I highlighted stuff. I don't think it's made this podcast any better. Uh, the Broncos had <clears throat> their one of their quarterbacks. They had four quarterbacks on the roster between the active roster and the practice squad. And uh, Jeff Driscoll, I think product of University of Florida, tested positive for COVID-19. And then it was revealed that all of the quarterbacks spent time with Driscoll without a mask on. And so all four of them were considered high risk for COVID. And it was too late to add, a, by, the, by the, the rules of the NFL right now, a guy has to pass a, a COVID test a certain amount of days before he can join the roster. And they didn't have time for that. So the, the Broncos had no quarterbacks on the roster. If you're not aware of this, it's insane. It's the only time I've ever heard of this happening. Uh, they actually tried to get uh, their their uh, offensive quality control coach, Rob Calabrese. They wanted him to play quarterback. And when I first heard that, I was like, it is insane. So the NFL denied him. And I think for like an intuitive reason, which is they don't want teams to store players on their coaching staff that sets a bad precedent for the NFL. One thing I don't understand precedent wise is why this game could not be pushed out till Tuesday. Like the Steelers game got pushed out. It seems like the NFL is wielding this tool inconsistently, which sounds like the NFL that I know, but the Broncos and the Broncos wanted to start Rob Calabrese as their quarterback. And I was like, who the fuck is he? And why would this coach be the guy? Like, how many coaches could really go play in the NFL right now? The NFL wouldn't let him. <clears throat> 
Rob Calabrese at least played quarterback in college at uh, UCF, 254 pass attempts. As a senior, he also played receiver and had uh, three catches, one for a touchdown. I think 12 touchdowns thrown, seven interceptions in his entire career at UCF. But like a 46% completion percentage. This guy was, this is not a, was never an NFL prospect. I think that would have been more interesting than what they ended up doing, which is uh, they ended up having Kendall Kendall Hinton, who is a practice squad wide receiver. They had Kendall Hinton start at quarterback, and he threw nine passes, completed one, two interceptions, 13 yards uh, passing to Noah Fant. They had no passing game, and they stopped trying at a point. It seemed like they realized they were making a little bit of a mockery of football by having, by continuing to to pass the ball, and so they stopped. But I, I listen. It wasn't the most exciting game from what it looked like. He, uh, Hinton took took on Taysom Hill, who's not much of a quarterback himself, by the way. The Saints have Jameis Winston who despite his early career blunders as a person is actually not a bad quarterback. They had him sitting on the bench while Taysom Hill was not passing. At one point in the second quarter, uh, the Broncos had zero passing yards, zero completions from Hinton, and Taysom Hill had two completions, no, three completions for a combined three yards and had taken sacks for 13 yards. So the Broncos actually had, as a team, more passing yards than the Saints. I said on Twitter, but I think this is a fun joke. Uh, On the field, the Saints had only 0.25 more quarterbacks than the Broncos, who had zero quarterbacks on the field. Um, all right. Finally, I have two, two, uh, two final stories that I want to talk about. One is, uh, Dave Chappelle. We'll talk about comedy for a second. Dave Chappelle got Comedy Central to take down his, uh, the Chappelle show. No. Dave Chappelle got Netflix to take down Chappelle show off of Netflix because Dave Chappelle believes that the the contract that he signed with Comedy Central was uh, exploitative. It was when he was young and had less money, and he took a contract that paid him up front but didn't give him ownership on the back end. It's the way that I understand it. Because Dave Chappelle has an ongoing relationship with Netflix, he asked them to take the show down, to stop streaming the show uh, until until Comedy Central agreed to pay him for streaming the show. So we do this thing in this country all the time where it's like there's people who believe that he was exploited, uh, there's people who believe that he signed a contract and he should honor that contract. I generally, like in sports, we talk about this happens a lot, and I always say that like these dudes have limited earning potential. So I'm never mad when a guy holds out. I mean, it might hurt my team, and that's upsetting 
as a fan might hurt the team that I'm rooting for. But if I'm ever going to identify with anyone in that situation, it would be the player. How many of us in our jobs are executive management? So do I think that Comedy Central has a an obligation to Dave Chappelle? Absolutely not. But I think that one of the things that separates, especially in this time where we have a bunch of choices, here's 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 the story. This is this is how I relate to this. Is uh, my home comedy club is Tacoma Comedy Club. I've worked every comedy club in the Northwest, outside of uh, Oregon. Oregon doesn't want me, but um, Tacoma Comedy Club te- treats the the comics the best. Uh, Spokane Comedy Club, they own Spokane Comedy Club also, and they do too. And it's, they, they pay everybody that performs on shows. They give everyone free food. Um, they, when you sell merch there, they give two free tickets to a future show to people that buy your merch. Uh, they want comics to like working there. So... Listen, they don't have to do any of that stuff. People would still work there, but because they are good to comics, comics talk highly about the club and they want to continue to work there. And that's the way the this is what I what I feel like Comedy Central did at some point and especially with Dave Chappelle who became such an institution and made arguably their most iconic show despite having only two seasons. Probably South Park is uh, a little bit more iconic because of its longevity, but like being iconic compared to years in existence, there's basically two and a half seasons of Chappelle and there's things that people still quote from then. And at some point it seems to me that it was in comedy central's best interest to make nice with Dave Chappelle. I mean, obviously, we've reached a scorched earth point now. And you can call Dave Chappelle a whiner or whatever. People are, for some reason, people in these situations side with the network. And I actually understand, by the way, I understand if you're someone who likes Chappelle's show and you've been streaming it on Netflix. Yeah, that could be that could be annoying that you can't do that anymore. I could see that. You don't have to... to I mean, if you're listening to this on an iPhone, you're not necessarily an arbiter of labor standards, right? So, but how could you not, as a comic, because I've seen comics come out against Dave Chappelle, it's like, how could you not see that this could be you at a lower level? How could you see not see this could be you? That's what we're all striving for. All right, finally, um, last piece of paper is here. Joe Biden broke his foot, okay? He broke his foot playing with his dog. The first time I knew I was out of shape, I was playing with my roommate's dog, and I pulled a muscle in my back, and I crumpled to the ground. That's how I knew I was out of shape, because my, my back was so weak that I could not handle playing with a dog. Well, Joe Biden broke his foot playing with his dog and if anybody was worried about joe biden becoming 
an authoritarian leader, a Nazi, as I've heard people say. If you were worried about that, I have no news. I have no news to calm your fears because what we found out, what I found out today, is that Joe Biden has two dogs, one named Major and one named Champ, both German Shepherds, the most Nazi-ish of dogs, okay? Listen, I'm not, if, if, listen, if I'm dead because I, because I blew the lid off this Joe Biden situation, you'll know because no podcast comes out next week. Thank you.